Right, so we on episode four. Tweet and talk with Todd Nelly. Episode Charles. Yep. Let's do this. So, uh, perfection. You, you you tweeted out some people wait for perfection. We finna drop this barbershop. We finna drop this mm-hmm. shop at Miramar House. Get some flyers out with one barber. We got barbershop owner problems. <laughs> Let's talk about it. You know, for the longest time, we were trying to like launch the barbershop the most perfect way. We were like, hey, we need to get either a barbershop partner or a branding partner or hire a bunch of barbers and then do it that way. And I was like, bro, people don't care about all that stuff when they get their hair cut. They just want their <laughs> hair cut. They don't right. even, even, even like the interior stuff, like there's a few things that need to be fixed. We got to reinstall some mirrors. We got to re- replace this, this window. And I, I think the window is the one thing we're going to really fix. But like even the paint on the inside, like people don't care. Especially if you're targeting like the college community. The college community in actuality, um, they're getting the haircuts in, in bathrooms. I used to get my hair cut in somebody's bathroom sitting on this toilet and I was happy to do it. I just wanted a fresh cut. And so like for me, I'm telling I told people today, I was like, you know, the true value in this isn't in leasing it as a barbershop to somebody else who's going to operate the business, the true value is in operating the actual business. That's where we're going to make the money. That's where we're going to make $10,000 a month as opposed to making $1,000 a month. A lot of people want passive income, man. And passive income, in my opinion, is just lazy. It's just lazy. You want massive income. And sometimes that massive income is going to just put you in, like you get there by doing the right stuff. So I was listening to this podcast and then he was talking about how like there's these these big, there's like these, uh, I was listening to a podcast on people who buy up uh, self-storage facilities. And so there's, if you go really, really big operator, but if you go like not too small, but big, then you basically can run it yourself, but you create a high income job running it yourself. And so what I mean by that is now you're making a quarter million dollars a year to run this as opposed to paying somebody however much you would pay them. And so a lot of people, they don't really want passive income. They want a lot of money. Passive income just happens to look like a lot of money. And so if you can create a high income career for yourself, then by all means, like I, I, I look at people, I was like, you know what? I don't ever want to not do my career because I have a very lucrative career. I just want to be able to get to the point where I don't have to depend on somebody else for my job. Either they like me or they don't like me, but I'm not going to lose my house because they decided they didn't like me one day. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's looking for the easy stuff. It sounds attractive, passive income. Mm hmm. Because they're lazy, man. Folks are lazy. They don't care about the passive. They're just like, I don't want to work because I'm lazy. And the question is, do you really not want to work or do you just not want to be belittled? Because a lot of people, the problem isn't that they're working, it's that they're getting paid less than they're worth. If you were getting paid two hundred thousand dollars to do something, I guarantee you'd wake up happy to do it every single day. <laughs> so, going back to the barbershop real quick, uh, span on this a little further. I mean, you kind of touched on it already. Mm-hmm. So, I think that well, the you, bar- you said um, the big win of the barbershop isn't leasing it out. 
the big win is in running the business of the barbershop. You kind of touched right. on that already, but let's so break the, that down. The interesting thing about the barbershop, and I'm going to keep it 100 with folks, we paid $10,000 for the barbershop approximately, right? And so we're looking at it as we can lease it out for 1200 bucks a month. We have somebody who was interested in leasing it out for 1200 bucks a month. And we would literally make a 100% ROI on our money every single month, every single year. We bring in $12,000 for something that we paid $10,000 for. That sounds like a win. But I'm like, right. you know what? We get three barbers in there. Each barber pays us 200 bucks a week in booth rent. That's 600 bucks a month in booth rent. Now we're making $2,400 per month. And so we basically turned, and so now on an annual basis, we're making roughly $28,000 on a $10,000 investment. So we just quadrupled, not maybe like doubled our ROI. So my thinking is like, hey, if we really want to get money, we got to run the business of this as opposed to just being lazy and leasing it out. Maybe we can lease it out for 2000 a month. I don't know. But just on that cursory looking at it, I feel like we'd make more money running the business. I tell people all the time, business is what makes people massively, massively wealthy. There's a misconception out here that everybody's talking about, oh, 99% of the world's millionaires got there through real estate. I think that probably 99% of the world's billionaires got there through business. Business makes you massively wealthy. Real estate makes you all right. So I love real estate, but I'm, I'm not in love with real estate. I just, I just like the freedom that it gives you. So for me, I was walking into Best Buy today and I, and I was reminded by that quote by Robert Kiyosaki where he says, you retire yourself and then you get rich. So you use your rental income to allow you the free time to then get rich. But you're not gonna get rich unless you get in the business of real estate or if you get in the business of whatever you wanna get into. So I, I'm just looking at it as like, I, and what I found, and this is not a, a knocking against anybody, but a lot of people who are in, in these groups that are investing with me, they don't want to do the work. They're just like, I want a check. They're like, here, here's some money. Now send me a check. I'm like, two things. The first is that the skills I'm going to get by starting is this barbershop are going to allow me to open 100 barbershops. Right. Do you want 100 barbershops or do you want one barbershop? I want a hunch barbershop. And so that's why I'm willing to put forth the effort and the thought energy, which then creates skills to actually learn how to run the business of the barbershop and run towards having to figure out the regulation and run towards having to figure out the licensing issues and run towards having to figure out the making sure that the shop is compliant issues. That is the knowledge that's going to make you rich. Just running it and making a thousand dollars and that's not going to, thousand dollars ain't changing nobody's life. But I'm finding that like a lot of people who we deal with, they just want a little ROI with a little 10 to 15%. And I'm finding that the rich, rich, they don't get 10 to 15% on their investments. They get an infinite return on everything. Every single thing they do, they get an infinite return. Everything they do, it's off the charts. And so then they pay you a little 5%, 10%, and then they go and they make all the money. That's why banks are so rich because they make all the money and you make 5%. So the business is more lucrative than just the asset. Right. So you also said today, I'm getting rich for the fam, not for Instagram. You no, know, I don't even know why I posted that. 
But I think, you know what? I think I posted it because I was riding around today and I realized, like, a lot of people think that this stuff is just for social media. They think that this stuff is just, like, for posts and likes. When in reality, like, no, nah, it's just real life. Like, I'm really doing this for real life. Social media just happens to be the medium with, when, within which I'm executing certain things. And so I might post stuff and tweet stuff and hashtag stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, that stuff is really just a means to an end. It is not the end in itself. The likes and the comments are not the reward. The likes and the comments allow me to project and create this brand which then brings people within to my funnel, which then allows me to do business with those people. And so like, I think that people can kind of get it misconstrued and they can think that it's about being like a social media personality or a social media that's like, no, like I'm a businessman. I'm a business person who just happens to be leveraging this form of technology to build my business. So the, the Instagram fame and people looking at you and doing all that stuff is cool. But, like, I'm doing this for the, the real-life fam, not for the social media fam. And so that's kind of why I put that out there. Is like, I don't really, like, I'm not trying to be, like, a part of your Instagram group. I'm not trying to be affiliated with all that stuff. Like, you don't got to like me. You just got to be able to respect that I know what I'm doing and that I'm moving in the right direction. We can be friends. We can not be friends. But I'm going to still keep doing me. I think that's another thing I was saying. Is like, you could like me. You could dislike me. But I was me before I came on Instagram. I was me before Twitter. I've always been this kind of a thinking, intellectual, analyzing, sharing my thoughts type of person. It just so happens that before I would share it through Facebook statuses, or I would share it through having a conversation with my friends, or I would share it through talking to my mom. Now, the same thoughts that I've been having my entire life, I just happen to share on Twitter or share via an Instagram meme. So basically, that's kind of what I was saying is like, it's not about social media. It's about real life. And we're trying to be dope in real life, not dope online. I hear you. I t- kind of took it to mean, like, uh, do this do this for your family. Like, Dame Dash always says, hustle for your last name first. Don't do this to flex on the gram and social media. Like, know why you're really doing this and what's the, the right reasons to do it. For your kids. 100%. For your family. Yep. Not to be flat. 100%, brother. It's not what it's all about. So, <laughs> there was a post today, not yours, but I saw you uh, reposted it on Instagram. I don't know how true the story is, but it says uh, he's an NFL rookie, DeAndre Baker. Supposedly bought his mother a Bentley. Less than two weeks mm-hmm. after he signed his rookie contract, mm-hmm. and a lot of people. I see. How I saw a lot of people commenting in on it, and nobody really seems to be impressed, <laughs> except for the person who commented. I mean, who uh, first posted it, saying this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I mean, me personally, off, that, like, was, that's, that was kind of embarrassing that they said this is what it's about. Yeah. I mean, come on. My first thing is like two weeks, less than two weeks after he signed his contract, did he even get a check yet? <laughs> he might have got a signing bonus. He might he might be leveraging the check that is to come. Yeah, man. But my issue is that 
uh-huh. there, there, there are things that are reserved for the wealthy, right? And there's things that are just like, like expensive. And I feel like those things are reserved for the wealthy. And I don't determine somebody's wealth by the amount of money that they have. I determine somebody's wealth by the amount of assets that they have. Therefore, if you have a lot of money, it's your responsibility to turn it into a lot of assets. I think people are waking up and they're starting to see that. And they're starting to understand like, hey, like this makes sense. This whole, like even like I was reading through the comments and not only like I posted a comment and it said, hey, he could have bought her a fourplex and the fourplex would have bought the Bentley and would have bought her a house. And the crazy part about it is you still have that money. So hypothetically speaking, that truck costs $400,000. You put it into a fourplex. That fourplex cashes about four, $4,000 a month because it's free and clear. It's, it's cash. It's all your money at that one point. You have no debt, no mortgage, no anything. Let's say you're bringing in $4,000, right? And it costs you $2,000 to, to, to lease that. Maybe less. Maybe about that. Like $2,000 per month to lease a Bentley. Then you have another two thousand dollars to to do whatever you want to do with it. But the crazy part about it is that that four hundred thousand dollars is still yours. If you put that same four hundred thousand dollars into a truck, it automatically becomes less as soon as you drive it off the lot, and then every single mile thereafter. And so you basically took four hundred thousand dollars and flushed down a toilet, but you got them J's though. And I think that that's my biggest problem. And I'm at a point now where I don't even really care. I just I posted it because it was cool that somebody caught that. Right. That's what I posted it for. It was just dope that somebody else had that mindset of saying she could have bought a fourplex, they could have bought an eightplex, they could have done so much with that money besides just looking like they got it. Because at the end of the day, he's probably gonna have to still take care of his mom. And I think that it's great that we're talking about this because uh, Tim Jackson posted that thing about Andre Iguodala, who's all stressed out because he has to take care of his his friends and family financially, and. I think that that is a big, big problem, but it's a problem in so many different ways. It's a problem because then you have a bunch of people who are being unproductive, waiting for a savior, and you also have people who are being drugged down who are being unable to really fully flourish in what they're trying to do because they got to take care of the whole fam. And so it's kind of like that whole concept of you have these African-American graduates who end up having to circle back and save the fam. And that's one of the things that I'm very thankful for is that my family could take care of itself. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should have that luxury because we all have the same 24 hours. We all have the same opportunity. We all have the same abilities. Like if you don't know something, go to the library. It's free. Read a book, listen to a podcast. Like there really are in America, bro. There's no excuses. There's literally no excuses. The only excuse is I, I, you will never find somebody who's out there hustling, getting it full of excuses. It's always the folks who are sitting there doing nothing with excuses. You never find successful people with excuses or people who are moving, making things happen with excuses. And so it's just interesting. I just thought it was dope that the people caught it. I think it's an indication that we're moving in the right direction. People are starting to become more financially intelligent, more savvy, and knowing that the rental property can save you much better than the Bentley can. And also knowing that having a Bentley without the assets to support that Bentley just makes you look stupid. Right, because now he's he has to pay for the maintenance on the Bentley. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. If she can't afford the maintenance on the Bentley. Right. Exactly. So he still got to pay for it. He still got even if he bought it cash, he still has to maintain it. And he's probably gonna buy himself a Bentley too. Right. Of course. And what happens when they have to give it up? 
we don't see that side of the story. We only see the balling on Instagram. We don't see the what we're going to eat for Instagram or the repossession on Instagram. We only see the highlights. We don't see the repossession on Instagram. That would be funny. I think I need to start an Instagram uh, repossessions of professional athletes. <laughs> so you got to yep. keep it on the low. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know what's funny? You you said um, you you could read in a book, you could listen to a podcast, go to the library. So there was one uh, tweet. I don't know. It was on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They were talking about something about financial literacy or something like that, and somebody commented and said, "You know, the people that hold the wealth never wanted to teach us. They never want. They hold it. They don't want to teach us." And I made a comment. I'm like, you know. These people, they actually write books about the same people that hold the wealth actually write books about creating wealth. Yep. Right. You know? It's like you can go to the library and get, read them for free, even if you don't want to buy them or you don't have money to buy them. You go to the library. Yep. Yeah, because she was already you know, they hiding it. I'm like, they, write, they put it in a book. My, my, goal, my goal is for people to stop lumping everybody into the same group. Like, don't say, oh, this is a black issue. Say, this is a you issue. Because we good over here. Like, that's one of my, my biggest goals is to people start owning it up. But they can't because it defeats the, their it defeats their theory. If there are black people who are doing well and are doing the things that you say black people can't do, doesn't allow you to lean on the black people crutch. You got to then take ownership and say, you know what? I'm just lazy. I just don't want to work. I don't want to have to humble myself and get out there and grind. But what's unfortunate is those same people who say, oh, black people, black people, black people, they kind of bring those of us down because, and this is one of my biggest struggles on Twitter, is I would always talk about what was possible and there would always be somebody to tell me what black people can't do or what black people can't afford to do, or what's too hard, or what's too expensive, what we don't know, what they're keeping us from, or what they've done to us 40 years ago. And and that's why, like, and it was so, it's so cool when I say these things and the comment gets likes, because it, it's people that agree with it. And so the guy was like, oh, well, we all don't have financial literacy. I was like, bro, like, it's a library full of books. You can go on YouTube and just watch people tell you how to do everything you can go on a podcast and they'll tell you how to do everything. And I would be okay with them just like accepting it if they didn't try to project it onto others. Like if you just want to say like, I'm a bum and I'm a loser because I'm a bum and I'm a loser, that's cool. But then again, I think about like if they were that kind of person, then they wouldn't be where they were. If they were that kind of, I'm going to take responsibility person, they probably would be the person who's going to take responsibility on how they're going to eat, where they're going to live and all that stuff. And so I kind of like, it's, it's a pointless argument. I did a lot of blocking back in the day. Now I don't block folks because a lot of people, what will happen is they'll disagree with me and they'll come to me like a year later and say, man, you know what? I got to apologize because you were right. And it's like, I know I'm right because I've seen it. I'm not making this stuff up. I never just go with what I see right in front of my nose. I'm always looking at my elders. I'm always looking at my parents. I'm always looking at like people who went out there and got it in history. There's this book and the book is called The Wealth Choice by Dennis Kimbrough. 
And I believe it should be required reading for all people because it's really like a history book on black business excellence. All they do is they talk about this person who started this business, this person who was the first to do this. All the stuff that you don't really learn in history. And I think that's why we kind of need to create a, a black American business history course, even if it's online, like, and just have kids watch it. Because learning about Christopher Columbus and learning about Napoleon and learning about all the stuff that took place in history is not furthering us. We have to be the people to take control of how we educate our own. We have to be the people who are going to create the curriculum of how we educate our own. And everybody does it. We're just the only people that are sitting around waiting for the government to save us. And it really makes me wonder because quite honestly, I think that it's like a, a deficiency. That same deficiency is what allowed people to be slaves. That same deficiency is what allowed, I think about this a lot. It's like, if somebody can write a law that determines that you're not a slave anymore, are you really still not a slave? Because if you, like, when there is a battle, they would capture people and they'd make them slaves. And so if you aren't going to be a slave, you got to liberate yourself. Nobody else can liberate you and say, oh, we're not going to, like, we don't want to be uh, about slavery anymore. But it's like, you're still, like, basically a little punk. You're still like a little weenie. Like, I, I, that's really kind of mean to say, but like, did you progress? I have to, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how like, when you allow somebody to give you reparations, they've already priced their profit in. They are gonna benefit and lockstep with your benefit. So what you're gonna get is an illusion of progression. And we've seen it happen so many different times where you have these schools that they're like, oh, we're gonna integrate the schools. Like, but did you really integrate the schools? No, you didn't. It was an illusion. Oh, we're going to integrate communities. Well, did you really integrate communities? No, it was an illusion. Like, in all actuality, what you see is, like, the elite of the elite of the elite get in, and then 99% of them are left out, or, like, 90% of them are left out. It's a lot of people. It's like the talented tenth get in, everybody else right. gets out. And so instead of pushing for that, push to improve yourself in your own circumstances, but they can't because it's a lot easier to tell somebody to let you in their house if you to build your own house. Yeah, I mean, you know, think about uh, when they hire black people, they hire the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And then what the, the, the black community is left with what? The second tier, third tier maybe? You know, right. you still, the, the best of the best go and enrich. You're still going on enriching them. You get, you get a nice salary, still less than what they're making, the mm -hmm. co-workers are making, but you're enriching the owners. Mm -hmm. And you're still, they're still owners. They're still, they're still benefiting from it. Rich, Rich yep. speaking of owners, what do you think of this whole MBA uh, talk about getting rid of the, the, the term owner? Team owners. I think it's illusion. It's an, it's another illusion that's used to keep people in their place. That's all it is because their salary doesn't change, their position doesn't change. Right. 
nothing changes about anything except the thing that you call them, the name that you call them. I think yeah, it's they, it's fake progress. And they can still trade you away to any team they beat, like. Right. It makes no sense to me. And they still and, a team owner. What? I just I feel like we need real progress, not fake progress. And if we keep going after these symbolic emotional victories, we're not going to really improve anything. The real power play is for people to boss up and become their own owner, to boss up and create their own team, to boss up and create their own league. The same stuff people were talking about when Kaepernick was going through his situation, like I feel like that is the actual solution. Changing the name is just going to keep people in their place. So for me, I'm just like, I didn't really even care about it, but it, it's not progress. It's another form of fake progress. It's just, it's just, it's just an illusion. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's no other change except a name change. What does yep. that matter? Right. I'm just, I, I want real progress. I don't wake up in the morning hoping for fake stuff to happen to me. I want like that's kind of like the whole like for the fam, not for Instagram stuff. Like I don't want fake success. I want that real stuff, man. I don't um, want angles and filters. I mean, you should you look celebrating more like uh, Ice Cube owns uh, the Big Three League, right? You got uh, Master P. Master P has his um, what's it called, Mixed Gender League. I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of that one. I didn't hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, he has his basketball but, league. But again, we gotta start being creative, man. We can't just like copy what they've done. Like, oh, this is gonna be the first black luxury car company. Like, bro, we need to create the first black flying car company. We need to create the first black. I don't even know. And so that's one thing I always tell people is like, we gotta be innovators. We gotta be inventors. You gotta be the person that creates the future, not the person who copies what somebody else has done and just becomes the first black team owner. Like, fuck being the first black. Be the first ever. That is where the money is in the first ever, period. Right. Innovators. Inventors and innovators. And we can do it. We are the most innovative. Like, if you look back in America, everything that's been invented or created has been through us until they started convincing us that we weren't able to do anything. And so there's actually, I'm not sure if you know this, but there's a difference between inventing and innovating. Innovating is creating a, a new way to, to do something that's already been done. Invention is just creating something that has never existed before. And so one thing that I noticed, because they, they uncovered this statement in my, in my uh, MBA class, I was taking an information tech class in my MBA program. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? The true inventors were us. They do all this innovation stuff because they're not creative. They're not thoughtful like us. We are creative. We have the ability to do something that's never been done. That's how we create all these dance moves and all these new words. Like we are creators. So apply that same creative energy to business or to real estate or to entrepreneurship or to solving your problems through creativity, not solving it through begging. Like I think that if we were to know the power in our creativity, we would apply it towards things that matter and not things that just make us feel good. So explain something to me. You said, um, I'm building a business. I'm not building an extension of myself. 
two different things. I'm glad you asked that question because I'm finding, as I was going through the Top Capital website and I was adding people, I was adding Jamal, I was adding my mom, I was adding my wife, I was adding people to this whole thing. And I might even, might have to make you the president of media. And I realized like a business is not a job. And a lot of us can only really see money through the job lens. And so I realized like I'm literally building an entity and that entity just happens to employ me in the sense that that entity is owned and controlled and pays me through dividends or through paychecks or however we decide to do it. And so I realized like I need to put energy into building this entity as an owned standalone exists upon itself, perpetual life goes on without me entity. It's like you're building another person. And so what I realized in that is that like all the things that I'm doing to prop it up are just making it more of a standalone. So it's not like, oh, this is just my business and this is what I do. It's like, no, this is our business. So people approach it. Like people don't go to Ronald McDonald's and ask Ronald McDonald to make a burger. They go to McDonald's and the system that is McDonald's provides the burger. Todd Capital has to become a, a system. So you can come to us for LLC. You can come to us for operating agreements. You can come to us for... Uh, the investment club. You can come to us for the real estate investment club. You can come to us for the trucking investment club. You can come to us for all these different things, but you're coming to the entity. You're coming to the entity that is Thai Capital Investment Club that just happens to be ran by Charles or ran by Jamal or ran by all these different people. And so that's what I was starting to realize. I was like, I don't want this to just be the Charles job, the Charles's business so that you go there and you're associated with me. Like, you know, you're going to tie capital that just happens to be something I created and invested in and put a lot of effort and energy into. And you're doing business with that entity because of what that entity provides. You're not doing business with me as a favor to me or as support to me. And so I realized like, I'm not creating a job. I'm creating an asset. I'm creating something that kicks out cash. It's something that it, it, it just exists. And it was so profound. Like, I, at first, I didn't really get it because, I mean, you think of like starting a business so that you can make money. And I was listening to this thing and he was saying like the reason the, the way he gets paid through his business is the business generates income, but he still takes the same paycheck every single month. He doesn't make what the business makes. He makes mm-hmm. what he, he he determines he's going to make. So he says, I'm going to make $100,000 this year. If the business does a million dollars in revenue for the entire year of profit, like and he makes a million dollars, he makes $100,000. And everything on top of that is the bonus. If you run it, does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So I think that that's kind of where I am now. It's like, I want to be kind of like a highly paid executive for my business. Like I'm an mm-hmm. executive that runs Tide Capital, but Tide Capital is still Tide Capital. So if you come into the investment club, you're not coming to me. You're coming to the investment club. So that's kind of where, where my mind is now. Hey. Now, like that. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned doing uh, LLC filings, right? Setting up LLC filings and operation agreements, mm-hmm. which people, I think the average person dreaming about starting their own business and dreaming about creating an LLC knows nothing about operating agreements. Mm-hmm. Now, you ch- Todd Capital charges whatever you, your, your price 
on top of the filing fees that you, you the person had to still pay themselves. Correct. Can you explain for the listeners real quick what is the benefit of going through Todd Capital and getting like a full service like send the LLC up and have operation agreements instead of just doing it themselves online? Um, so I would say that there are people who know how to do it and there are people who want to do it and mm-hmm. I think they should do it. <laughs> I okay. think that if they know how to do it and they want to do it, then for sure. But one thing I'll tell people is that it's kind of like cutting hair. Like I know how to cut hair, but I'm not a barber. I just happen to specialize in these things. So, I mean, I don't really have a, a canned answer for that. I would just say that if you know how to do it, then by all means. But if you're somebody who always feel like people should specialize in being great at what they do. So if you're great at being a truck owner, be the best damn truck owner ever. If you're great at flipping properties, be the best damn truck, uh, flipping properties person ever. We all have a tendency when we start our business to want to be all things in that business. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mistake. And that's a mistake that I made. I wanted to be the accountant. I wanted to be the lawyer. I wanted to be the finance guy. I wanted to be the business manager. I wanted to be the rehab project manager. I wanted to do all those things. And then trying to do all those things, we ended up doing a bunch of nothing because I got caught in the weeds of trying to balance it all. And so what I tell people is like, become the expert at hiring experts. Hire somebody whose only task is to do one thing. That's the way that you systemize, systematize a business. That's the way that you create that, um, that, uh, that kind of like, what am I thinking, assembly line, is you assign one person to one, pet, one task. So if you need somebody to hammer in a nail, that's all they do all day is hammer in a nail. In my, in my um, office, we have, a, we have a discovery debacle and so what I told him, I was like, we need somebody who's only going to call clients and get these form interrogatories filled out. Not the form interrogatories per se, but they need to get the form interrogatory uh, interview checklist that we have. And so in discovery, in a lawsuit, you have form interrogatories, special interrogatories, demand for protective documents, and request for admission. And so we need somebody who's only going to do forms, somebody who's only going to do specials, somebody who's only going to do demands for documents, and so is only going to do requests for admissions and they just dominate that sector. And so I tell people it might be uncomfortable because you want to be the person that knows all things, but do you want a successful business or do you want to be the person that just does everything? I personally want a successful business. So for me, I mean, we, we've done about a hundred, maybe 150 LLCs. And there are people out there who just want to be credit repair experts. They have no desire to become experts at determining what a member is or what manager is, all that stuff. That's all I would say. Okay. Well, for the listeners, this is how you learn stuff. You ask questions because I wanted to know for myself too. <laughs> it's like, why should I why should I pay somebody to file it when I could just go online and figure it out myself? Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about a lot of stuff. Right. 
I guess that's why uh, big business beats out small business a lot of times because they've got specialists doing one thing all day long every day. Mm-hmm. But they get their 10,000 hours a lot faster than you ever could. It take you a lifetime to get enough experience in that one area if you're doing 50 different things at your, at your business. I just feel like one of the things that I found also is it's just better to pay people in certain instances and get it done and get it done fast. But LLCs were just one aspect of the thing that I could get my business rolling with. Um, that's it. I would say one thing about the LLC, though, is that mistakes can be costly. Uh-huh. And so if you do something with the LLC and you do it wrong, it usually costs you like 100 bucks just to get it fixed. Ooh. Um, I mean, not, not only that, also the time that it takes and all that stuff. So... Say no more. I'll be coming to Todd Capital. Everybody listening, come to Todd Capital. <laughs> and uh, when did we? When did they open up the um, the investment club? So the investment club mm-hmm. is back open. Okay, as long um, as you go through the launch pass, right? Right, exactly. 100%. That's what launch pass. Launchpass.com slash TC Investment Club. Is that it? I think so. I think so. I'm not, I'm not even sure what the URL is. That's really cool. Launchpass.com backslash TC Investment Club. Guys. You can Google. find it all in the link in the bio. Todd Capital. Yeah, Todd Millionaire on Twitter. Todd Millionaire on Instagram. Just follow the links. <laughs> yeah, I have a link tree in the bio, so you can, you can check out the link tree in the bio, and that'll get you access to a few different things. It'll get you access to the HBCU capital thing we're, we're, we're developing, which is awesome. Man, we're creating the website for that, and it's going to have so much built into it. It's going to have a question and answer form, so if you have investment club questions, if you have real estate-related questions, deal-related questions, tax-related questions, you can ask questions in the forum. We're also going to have a marketplace where we're building out a, a mall for courses, but they're all going to be real estate and business-related courses. Uh-huh. So anybody who has wanted to learn about how to do whatever, there's so many different courses out there, but it's tough to find because you only really see it if you follow that person or if you can catch them when they're on live or you can catch them when they're posting content. And so we're going to bring it all under one roof and then provide that to the people. So that's going to be in the form of our bookstore. We're also going to be able to allow people to post and promote their wholesale deals. So if you have a wholesale deal, uh, we're going to have a, a, a platform for you to be able to market your wholesale deal and find buyers. And then we're also going to be able to promote our own individual deals where we're going to be working together with investors to buy up and develop uh, in and around HBCU areas. And what's really interesting is that we put out this idea and now like everybody's been talking about it. Like, oh yeah, there's this company out there called Renaissance Capital Partners. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do is invest around HBCUs. And I was listening to Jay Morrison who was talking about how they're doing a deal down by the AUC. 
if you're going to invest, you got to invest where the opportunity is. But you have to get very good at seeing opportunity because opportunity doesn't look like what you think it is. Opportunity looks like the ugly stuff. Opportunity looks like the stuff that people were like, no, nah, I wouldn't buy there. I wouldn't invest there. I wouldn't put my money there. It's dangerous. It's this. It's that. Well, it might be dangerous until you start putting money there. It might be right. dangerous until you start putting time and effort and energy there. It might be dangerous until you actually go there and you're not dangerous. And so I feel like people are too victim-oriented in that they don't realize that all the things that I just mentioned before make things great again. And when you make things great again, you get great returns. So it's just interesting because I'm starting to kind of see, like, if you look at these school, these areas around these, uh, these schools, they're blighted, they're run down. But for me, what I'm realizing is, like, we got to be the people that put the businesses there. I was at my barbershop, and I was like, you know what's crazy? Is this barbershop has been in forever. It has a different owner, different barbers. But the thing is, the downtown LA area needs a barbershop. And so because it needs a barbershop, the landlord's going to do what they have to do to make sure that that community can exist with the barbershop. Mm-hmm. So if they aren't able to make the rent one month or they're struggling, they're going to help them, help them so that they can stay in that community because it makes the community more of a complete community. And so what I'm realizing is like in real estate and in business, you got to take the community approach, meaning that if I own a piece of commercial property, I should be willing to bring in black business owners and help them build their business instead of just saying, nah, rent's too grand, bruh. Right. Too grand. It's like, no, we got to build the whole community. And that's what other people do is they know they're going to get their money. If this business gets successful, they're going to be able to charge whatever they want to charge. They can charge market rent and it doesn't hurt, but they also are giving back because they're helping them establish their business. And so I'm finding that like, there's so much to it than just dollars and cents. And that's why I always tell people like real estate isn't about the money. It's about the power. Real estate is about having the ability to, to say, I want your business in my community. I want you to be able to hire people from this community. I want, and I don't want certain things within my community. That's the power that real estate gives you. And going back to what you said a minute ago, it's like, you're saying um, it, it might look like an area might look like it's dangerous or it's not good until you start putting the money in. So until you start putting the effort in, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like that's pretty much that's all gentrification really is. Money and they, effort. They move in and they put money in. They put effort in. They beautify the place. That's all it is. And that's one of the most frustrating things about it to me is like, you don't need money to mow a lawn. You don't need money to paint a fence. You don't need money to not spray paint graffiti on the walls. You don't need money to not kill people. You don't need money to not do all these different things that people do in the inner city. Like, that's not a money thing. I think that money comes after you do all that stuff. Money doesn't precede it. Money comes after the fact. And so we got to focus on doing the right actions. And that's why I always tell people, like, it's not even about the money as much as it's about the mission. I'm more focused on the mission of everything that I'm doing, which is to create black wealth, as opposed to let's get rich. If I was just trying to get rich, 
I'll just be starting any kind of business that I want to start. Right. So gentrification is the actual act of giving a fuck. Do you care about your community or do you not? Because it's a lot of people, I don't know if you know this, but Beverly Hills right now is all Jewish people. It's all people from Iran, people from the Middle East, people maybe even Asian. That's Beverly Hills. White flight took place in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills used to be a prissy white area. It used to be this elite white area. Now they've all flocked to the beach areas. They've all flocked to um, like Westwood, Brentwood, all that stuff. But Beverly Hills still looks the same. Beverly Hills still looks nice. Beverly Hills is still well kept. So my question mm -hmm. to you is this. Is it white flight that kills neighborhoods? Or is it not giving a fuck that kills neighborhoods? Because Ooh. a lot of people, they just don't care. They just let it go to crap. There's uh -huh. so many things that we could do if we're just like, you know what? I'm going to go fix my roof. I'm going to go paint this thing. I want to make sure that there's no trash on my street. Like, if we just cared, I go through, the, do, through Detroit all the time. I'm just like, why is there a broken TV in the front of your house? Why is it not in the trash can? The trash service comes. Why do I have to come out here and there's Hennessy bottles in the front lawn? Like, that has nothing to do with money because Hennessy ain't cheap. So if you have the ability to just drop a Hennessy bottle on the thing, obviously you're not poor. Obviously you're not without. And I think that's what frustrates me is like, it's not money. It's not anything. It's just the mindset. We just don't have the mindset. And that's why people are out here waiting for people to liberate them or waiting for people to give them reparations or waiting for people to be nice to them instead of just being great. That's just the mindset. Yeah, and it's like it's like you said uh, previously, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. It's not it's not so much the business idea; it's what you put into it. Because you are the source, <laughs> you are the the secret ingredient in your business, in your neighborhood, in your community. You are the source. You're the one that's gonna make it happen. Right. Put in the work, put in the effort. Since, since, since we're talking about sauceness, I was <laughs> riding in my car today and I went to go look at some trucks. I found a yellow one that's so dope. Yeah, and I, I was like, I, I realized what Jay-Z meant when he said he's not a businessman. He's the business, man. And basically mm -hmm. what he's saying is he's the sauce. He's like, I'm not in business I am the business. And so from Jay-Z, that means he's the brand. But for me, my mind is the business. I put so much business content into my brain that it can apply to anything. People will say, oh, you're a real estate guy. Oh, you're this guy. Like, no, I'm just a businessman. And so that same business of me being the sauce, being the solutions finder, being the person that's going to make it happen, when there is no way is the person who can apply that same skill to a truck if I decide to get into trucking or the person who can apply that same skill to real estate if I want to get into real estate or whatever if I decide to get into whatever barbershops if I want to get into barbershops and I think that was just so I, I realized so much about Jay-Z the more that I listened to Jay-Z 
because he's like his lyrics are just intertwined. He said something else, and I was like, I forgot what he said, but I had another revelation of what he meant by what he said. It's it's that's one thing I like about Jay Z, which is the same thing about why I like about J Cole, is you'll hear him say something, and then a year later, two later, two years later, you hear him say something again. You're like, wow, I didn't even hear that the first time. Right. Yeah. Tweet talk. The only place we hear uh, talk about black wealth and the sauceness. <laughs> That's funny. They all they all go together. It's correlated. I wish I could think of something I wanted to talk about. We kind of we kind of roasted everybody last week, but not this week. We're kind of chilling. <laughs> So there's always something to roast. Man. I mean, so what do you think about this guy, this um, this tech billionaire or whatever he was, the part owner of the Warriors that shoved um, Kyle Lowry of the Toronto Raptors. He got banned from the NBA for a year. I believe they're making him sell his interest in the, the team. What are your thoughts on that? I don't really have thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, no, I, think I, it, I think it's another instance where people are trying to make it a race thing when it's really just like a man-to-man thing. And I think that that was really all I took from that is I think a lot of times we use race when we should just avoid it mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't help anybody. What I got out of it was my first reaction was kind of like well Okay, you banned him for a year. Actually, I heard I heard um, that Breakfast Club interview with Andre Iguodala. He said that it's actually more on top of the ban and stuff like that. But the first initial thing we heard was that he got banned for a year. And he's going to have to give up his interest in the team. My first original original reaction was, okay, you make you're forcing him to sell his interest. Well, look at the profit he's making. Mm-hmm. But then today, I was thinking about, I think it was at our last podcast together, or maybe the one before, and you were talking about how cash is not really it. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the end all be all. Assets is what it's really about, mm-hmm. and converting the cash to assets is a real win. So then I thought about maybe he is losing because now they transfer, they're making him transfer his asset into cash. Right. Now what's he going to do with the cash? He can whatever he's going to make is going to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But cash by itself is going to sit there and just going to lose value. So I guess he is taking a loss. Mm-hmm. Now you future. I don't know if you look at it that way. So it's, 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 it's interesting. I'm not really sure about that one. And he's he, he's I mean eventually he's gonna just come back. He can come back sooner or later with just another group. Yeah. So, honestly, uh, I feel like the loss for him was just looking like a retard. He's like, who goes <laughs> to a basketball game, sits courtside, and then gets mad when an athlete falls on him? Like that just kind of makes him look stupid. So I'm not even really so much in the retaliation aspect because a lot of times when you retaliate, you make you kind of when you retaliate, it makes you look bad. 
mm-hmm. when instead of just like like looking at this dude like who acts like that right like um, just look bad by himself right so I don't really even have a, a real opinion on that well, I guess the really important really... thing this whole thing is we shouldn't care too much about the whole thing anyway and we <laughs> focus we need to focus on what we need to focus on maybe maybe that's what it is I think that's the real don't get don't get distracted. People always talk about that. You know, whenever there's like a big issue and they're like, oh, don't let this distract you from the fact that blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I was like, maybe that's just a distraction. You know what else is another distraction is the reparations argument. And I don't know if this has been posted that you were going to put this in the conversation. But I think that what's very interesting is if you look at the amount of wealth that's being created amongst African-American people on Instagram and just in real life. Instagram is just a reflection of what's happening in real life. It's amazing. There's a girl who made like $5 million a year. There are girls on Instagram and dudes on Instagram who are kidding it. And you want us to sit back and wait for reparations? You want us to sit back and wait for $100,000? If that, I feel like it's foolish. And so like the Democrats are like, well, how can we win the black vote? How can we get back in their good graces? And they're like, oh, well, let's Let's talk about reparations if we ever decide to give it to them. And so now it's going to cause people to slow down and wait and do nothing when most people are able to build their own reparations a lot better than what somebody could give them. If somebody gives you $100,000 and you don't know anything, you're likely going to lose it. If somebody gives you $100,000 and you don't know how to put it to work, your kids are going to be no better off. There are a lot of people who get a form of reparation in the the food that they get, the the tax refund checks they get, and they just F it off. So it's like, why don't we ever talk about that when it comes to reparations? Reparations is not the solution. Improving yourself is the solution. We need to focus on improving ourselves because that's the only thing that you can control. The only thing you can control is what you do for you. You cannot control what somebody else is going to do for you. And again, like I said earlier, any reparations has their profit priced in. Any reparations, you know what's so crazy about like the EDT programs and the, the affordable housing uh, projects, that kind of stuff, is people get rich providing you that stuff. You get right. free groceries and you gotta take it to Kroger to get your groceries, you gotta take it to Vons to get your groceries. You get uh, affordable housing and somebody got rich building that affordable housing through construction, uh, low income housing tax credits and stuff. If you were to just create your own solution, you get to capture the wealth. Begging for a for solution gets you a little bit, and they get the big piece of chicken. Yeah, it always comes back. It, profit always comes back to them anyway. It's mm-hmm. like uh, I believe JP Morgan Chase. They're like the biggest providers. They're the biggest um, providers for what is that? The EBT cards. They they terminals. They make money on all those transactions, and that's why. There, there's always an EBT program. Well, not because of like, Democrats. It looks like progress. It's because they make so much money off it, they make sure the government don't stop. Right. Because they make money on the pro- the processing of the transaction. Yep. So, I don't know. We need to focus on what we need to focus on. At the very, at the most, I think it's kind of what you say about um, that specialist concentrate on their, their specialities at most. Let the people that know what they're talking about 
and what they're doing, like Dr. Claude Addison, let them spearhead the, the fight for reparations. And you mind your own business and you try to make it happen for you and your family. <laughs> I'm over the, the reparations talk. Leave it to the people that know who, that had the time to do that. Even for them. Let's just build our communities. Let's focus on cleaning up our yards and making them look great. And then everything will take care of itself. Yeah. So on that note, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Anything else we didn't promote tonight you want to promote? Ty Captain Millionaire Podcast. Check us out. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all that good stuff. Check out the store, gumroad.com backslash Ty Capital. Check out the website, www.capitaltie.com. You can also check out the beta of our HBCU Realty. I'm not supposed to give you this out, but I want you guys to check it out and give us feedback. Exclusive. HBCURealty.com. You'll be able to check out what we have uh, building in the works. What else? Uh, At Tom Millionaire, Instagram and Twitter. Just trying to build this thing. We're going. We're definitely just tapped uh, Raphael as the director of media and communications. So, big expectations for him. Um, just trying to grow and Let's build the entity that is Tide Capital. Make sure <coughs> you subscribe to Tweet Talk. Uh, this is the name for now. <laughs> Wealth uh, Tweet Talk on Instagram. Tweet Talk can podcast can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other places, other platforms. Check us out. Subscribe. Also, uh, check out the sponsors. Um, we got Hood Estates, the elite trucking platform. Hood Estates, the elite uh, real estate investment group. Also, Erica Williams, her uh, Instagram page, her, her YouTube page, um, the I trade and travel program through Terry the Investor. And then lastly is 24-7 watches. So we'll have all the links for you in the bio. We're in the show. Right. This is all about community building, promoting our, our brothers and sisters, our own people, putting each other on all day, every day. Tweet talk with Raphael and Charles. We are out. Peace.